Three Dog Thursday on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network presented by MyBookie.ag. MyBookie is the place that you want to bet to get in on all of the college basketball and NBA action. Use the promo code SGP to receive up to $1,000 in bonus bets. That's the promo code SGP to play, win, and get paid at MyBookie.ag. We're also brought to you in part by Ace Per Head. Ace is the leader in pay-per-head providers, and they make it super easy to start your own sports book. Plus, Ace is offering up to six weeks free over at aceperhead.com SGP. That's aceperhead.com SGP. And we're also brought to you by Burrow, makers of the Internet's favorite sofa. Get $75 off your purchase and free one-week shipping at burrow.com slash SGP. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash SGP for $75 off at Burrow. And we're also brought to you by Degen Madness. We're giving away $3,000 in our virtual NCAA tournament through the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. The games are streamed live with SGP commentary and betting lines from mybookie.ag. Just go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest and enter your bracket before Thursday night at 6 Pacific time. Again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest get in with a bracket you can bet on the games through my bookie it's degen madness and we're brought to you by ProSwap. You don't have to go to Vegas to buy Vegas bets. ProSwap is available in many states where there's no sports betting. Use the promo code SGP and you get a 100% deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. That's ProSwap.com, promo code SGP. Football fans, it's time to go on the record for this week's matches in pro and college football with just one catch. We're only interested in underdogs. Who can keep it close if not pull the outright upset? Time to find out. It's Three Dog Thursday. Now here's your host, TJ Reed. Well, welcome in, everybody, to the only digital radio show that is devoted to those little guys, the underdogs, those that we don't think as much of, but maybe we should, as we go through still the bizarre time in the month of March, the year 2020, of no professional sports, not just in the U.S. and North America, but anywhere around the world. Sports is ground to a halt with the coronavirus outbreak and scare. They've shut everything down at this point. And so we continue to wait and wonder, when will we get back to some kind of normalcy? When will we get the coronavirus back under control here? And the hope would be that that's in the next couple of weeks in the United States that we return to some limited normalcy and some being able to congregate as everything gets under control. And in particular, the weather warms up, which by all the scientists' account will help combat uh, the virus as it does every spring uh, to summer. Again, awful, awful situation for those that have been afflicted by its suffering and in some cases death. But we have to remember one thing. We are resilient as a people, folks. I'm up on my soapbox here on Three Dog Thursday, and we will get through this. We will get back to some normalcy. We'll get back to the normalcy of school being back in at some point. Maybe it's this spring, this school year. Maybe it's not until the fall of next school year. We'll get back to some normalcy of working, and sports will get back as well. 
But for now, we have to wait. Will it be May? Will it be June? Will it be later this summer? We've still got an NBA season to conclude, an NHL season to conclude, if possible, a baseball season that has never started that's going to probably have to be abbreviated unless you're looking at playing the postseason at Christmas time. It'll probably have to be uh, abbreviated. All of that to be sorted out, not just in the U.S., but worldwide uh, here with all of sports. So we're here to give you a little brief uh, break away from all the news of the coronavirus and everybody being cooped up and isolated and social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. We're here uh, to talk up the what might have been, to reminisce some about past uh, NCAA tournaments. No NCAA tournament this year. Not going to happen. It's it's unprecedented. We're all living through it. If you're a big-time sports fan, if you're a huge college basketball uh, fan, you're in mourning uh, right now, figuratively, for not having this, and you're not going to have it, and we're never going to know what these teams could do. But I'm going to enlist the help of some guests uh, to try to, to help me do this. Uh, in fact, straight ahead, Brian Edwards is back with me from MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. Brian will be on the program uh, to talk up and reminisce previous Sweet 16 and Elite 8s. This would have been the weekend where at the different regional sites from Indianapolis, uh, to Los Angeles, to Madison Square Garden, uh, and on and on. We'd have been wondering, we'd have been waiting, who's going to be playing in the Final Four in Atlanta? Alas, we're never going to know. They're not going to play the tournament. It's, there's no way possible to get it started back up. Uh, so we're never going to know for all these different teams. But at least we can go back in time and think about and talk about great Sweet 16 games, Elite 8 games that we were either attending or remembering or watching. So I look forward to doing that again with Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and BrianEdwardsSports.com. Has tremendous insights, and we'll talk to him about that. And a little bit of of look ahead to the fall with Tom Brady signing with the Buccaneers and the different NFL free agency moves being made. Are they still going to hold the draft at the end of April? There's some teams that are squawking right now about, hey, we may not be ready to have that draft. The NFL says, no, no, we're going ahead with it. Uh, for the end of April. It's not going to have fans. It's not going to be a live event in terms of spectators being there, but there still will be a live draft and video conferencing is, uh, excuse me, is the, is the plan at least for right now. So uh, we'll talk some NFL and some wagering in the future as well um, uh, for the college games and some of the big time games. Brian Edwards will have that with us in a little bit. Tom Penders will be here as well. We look forward to talking with Coach Penders uh, about reminiscing on his great NCAA tournament runs that he had at Rhode Island, Texas, George Washington, and also Houston as Tom Penders won nearly 600 basketball games at the Division I level back in the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, and into the early 2000s. So Tom will be here to reminisce about his 88 Rhode Island team, his 1990 Texas team. When we talk Sweet 16 and Elite 8, he was there a couple of times. Loved the storytelling. He really revolutionized things with the three-point shot, uh, especially in the late 80s and the early 90s and the volume of threes and how much they had the green light. So Tom will be here to tell some stories. Love Coach Penders uh, as well. He'll be here. And also Sean Green of the Sports Gambling Podcast will be here as uh, that's part of our uh, affiliation with the Sports Gambling Podcast network of shows. Tip of the hat to Sean, to Ryan Kramer, and everybody with the SportsGamblingPodcast.com website and their feed of shows as we're now partnered up on Three Dog Thursday. Sean will be here. Yes, there are no games being played, but there are simulations right now of the games that Sean and Ryan are doing. And you can even wager on these uh, as well. If you just go to SportsGamblingPodcast.com, you'll see all about their Sweet 16 simulation of games from Kentucky to Dayton 
to Kansas, to Michigan State, to San Diego State, to Gonzaga, to Duke, and all the teams in their Sweet 16 fictitiously with the game simulations. You can watch it all unfold if the tournament had been played, what might have happened. Sean and Ryan are talking about it on the Sports Gambling Podcast. We'll have him on to talk about it a little bit more before we're done here on Three Dog Thursday. Quick reminder to subscribe to this podcast, however you found us, through a social media link, through sportsgamblingpodcast.com. Uh, if you're following us at Three Dog Thursday on Twitter, if you're following me at Buck Sideline Guy on Twitter for part of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and welcoming Tom Brady into the fold, if you found us on a social media link, subscribe, and the podcast comes automatically to you, whether you get your podcast on iTunes, on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you find podcasts, Subscribe and it will come automatically to you. We're going to have a Final Four edition of the show. We're going to reminisce today about Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. We'll have a Final Four edition of Three Dog Thursday talking about great moments in the semifinals and the championship games next week. So the podcast will come automatically to you if you subscribe, rate us, and review us. It'll move up in the rankings there on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Spreaker. More people will find the show uh, as well if you subscribe. All right, so there you go. Let's get to our guest. Brian Edwards coming up from MajorWager.com. Coach Tom Penders, the legendary college coach of the 80s, 90s, and 2000s, will be here. Sean Green as well. Let's get going. Here we go. Yes, here he is, and he's going to help me get through yet another weekend without March Madness and the actual games with the outbreak of the coronavirus. We've had to shut everything down from a sports standpoint uh, in this country and really worldwide. It's all... Uh, basically come to a halt. So no March, but I am going to reminisce a little Sweet 16, a little Elite Eight weekends gone by yesteryear, the historical perspective with Brian Edwards, MajorWager.com and Vegas Insider. I love his insight on a lot of things, kind of with the Vegas angle and the spread, so we don't have the actual games. We're going to have some fun with some other stuff. First of all, how are you holding up? Because when we talked a week ago, all the isolation stuff had begun. Most everybody has been practicing that now for the better part of the week. Uh, 10 days or more. How are you holding up uh, with all of this? Well, you know, to be honest, and um, I, I don't want to, you know, play this like, you know, I don't have a social life. I mean, I love to go drink beers on Fridays and Saturdays. But during March, I'm normally pretty cooped up <laughs> anyway. I mean, I don't want to miss any of the games. And, I mean, to take it to a further extent, I mean, pretty much every March, I don't really leave my computer unless I am going to eat or go to the restroom. I mean, so this is pretty, I mean, obviously I don't have the great games to watch. I've been binge watching some uh, Netflix, uh, but I, I normally am not going very far away from the house in March. Very anyway true. Now. I'll my, get stir crazy in April. Uh, yeah, true. My, my wife has been saying with the twins around, hey, it's good to have dad around and not preoccupied the entire month. Uh, right now in the month of March. So, uh, yes, we're all getting along. We're all making it work. Um, all right, so let's get into this. Uh, I, I want to reminisce a little more about Sweet 16 and Elite 8 memories. And you started rattling off to me, having been at different games, different situations, games in person, the drama of it, the chance to go to the Final Four. If I say to you, give me a Sweet 16, you were there, you watched it unfold, and maybe it worked out well. I mean, you do slant towards the Florida Gators. We should say that for the national audience and wherever you're hearing us on Three Dog Thursday. So give me one. Give me a story. They won a couple of national titles in 06 and 07. Give me a, give me a Sweet 16 and Elite 8 memory that you have being there on scene, etc. 
Um, okay, uh, I can give you the good and bad. I was in New Orleans, Sweet 16. Um, Dad got us great seats. We were literally, no BS, in the second row right behind the BYU bench. And I think Dave Rose was a hell of a coach. And we, the Gators, sent Jimmer Fredette into, uh, well, college, college career retirement and beat them. And Kenny Boynton uh, <laughs> locked him down that day and, and really beat him up physically, which I'm sure people could say, oh, we fouls or whatever. Now, he just kind of – he tripped over himself going in the lane a few times. I mean, he, <laughs> he had – by the end of the game, I swear, the trainer's working on him every time out. He had a Band-Aid on his chin. His elbow was swollen. He had a couple of scratches and cuts. and uh, But then in the Elite Eight, same seats right behind Brad Stevens and Butler bench. Florida blows an eight-point, nine-point lead or so with like eight or nine minutes left, and Butler wins 74-71 in OT. So that was New Orleans 11. That kind of covers good and bad. Um, I could go to some other ones, uh, but I'll give the floor back to you. Well, you did did Madison Square Garden, what, three years ago, 2017, which again was some good and some bad. Sweet 16 finish was Wisconsin-Florida. And that's Chris Chioza kind of going end-to-end, a la Danny Ainge about 40 years ago, although Ainge dribbled through everybody. But Chioza only had, what, about three seconds on the garden floor to get from one end to the other to tie Wisconsin and force overtime, right? Yeah, yeah. Ty Sedney had a good one against yes. Missouri in 95 before he sprained his ankle that was similar to that. Danny Ainge is a great example as well. Um, this is about the most shameful sports memory of my lifetime. <laughs> I flew up to New York City to meet some buddies. Uh, we're at the bar across the street from Madison Square Garden. I'm, for some reason, shooting a blank on who South Carolina was playing in the Sweet 16. But we were playing the late game, and we had, one of our buddies was late getting there. And then when we st- started going out and looking for tickets, we're trying to get them together, and they're too much. And I'm, I'm not going to make this into too long of a story, but it ends up we're still looking for tickets. I finally just tell the other guys, I mean, you know, kind of screw you guys. I'm just going in the game. I'm trying to find, you know, right. one ticket. Right. I'm not finding the prices I'm wanting. I'm realizing I'm missing the game. And, you know, if I sprint for 40 yards, I'm right back into that bar with Cole Budweiser in my hand watching the game. Um, and so I'm ashamed to say that I was right across the street from MSG, but I did not see that shot. And then I was there, lower level, midcourt, great seats for the South Carolina game, had a seven-point lead in the Elite Eight, and then uh, Sendarius Thornwell uh, brought them back. But the fact that I was in New York City, that's every kid's dream of their favorite team, MSG, NYC, buzzer beater, and I missed it, and that's so shameful. But I did do – wind sprints around that bar and it was amazing <laughs> you went out of your mind and again Chioza's shot was not for the win it was to tie you know this to go into overtime uh that year and in that moment so uh, yeah that's uh, no, no 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 tj that won it because that did win it okay i thought i thought my recollection a- was for ot so you're you're correct he won the game it was in OT that he did that, yes. But, uh, no, we were down two. And remember how he jumped from behind the three-point line? Now, he didn't release it until he got to about the free-throw line, but he both feet were behind the line when he went in the air. And that was game, set, match. And I, Nigel Hayes and Bronson Koenig had had such great careers. They were, I believe, sophomores when they were up big on Duke in the second half of the national title game. And I felt so horrible for those two guys because they had played – great that game and all their careers 
and that ended it for both of those guys. Well, and again, talking about that regional, South Carolina beat Baylor and blew them out, as you mentioned earlier uh, in the evening. Uh, And you're right about the Garden. I've had a chance to be in there for the Big East tournament in 07. I've not been there for the NCAA tournament. Of course, that's where the East Regional was this this coming weekend to have ended. Uh, It always seems like Duke would be there at the Garden and and or Michigan State, or if they could get Syracuse uh, slotted in there, they would be ready to go uh, in the Garden. There's just it's something special, something different, and you got to give Frank Martin's team credit because they were able to put the clamps down on the Gators. They put the clamps down the same way on Baylor. Remember, they had beaten Duke as the two seed back on the first weekend uh knocking knocking them out as well what a what a run for south carolina on the sweet 16 elite eight weekend to make the final four out in arizona right yeah and uh you know kotsar was a freshman on that team played a lot in that elite eight game and he obviously just uh had his career just now uh come to an end uh but yeah it was uh yeah gators had a seven point lead at halftime but went cold, and that Frank Martin team was just defensively, they were uh, terrific. Well, and you look, even in recent history in SEC basketball, I'm just propping it up here because everybody talks about the SEC fatigue for the football success, but you mentioned all the Gator uh, runs into Final Fours and two national championships. Uh, that South Carolina team that that made a Final Four. Um, Auburn this past year in Minnesota, the 2019 Final Four, got there for the first time L- in history. LSU. LSU 08. That's with, right. Uh, Miles Swift and baby, Big Baby. Big Baby, Big 08, Baby Davis. That's right. Uh, actually, 07. 07. actually, the 07 Final Four. That's right. In Atlanta uh, that year where the Gators won it that year. Um, but yes, I mean, you, you go back to uh, all those big moments. Actually, actually, LSU would have been 06, right, with, okay. uh, with Big Baby Davis because the Gators beat George Mason that year and UCLA yep. beat LSU that year in Indianapolis being at that Final Four. It, but but we, uh, had dunk contest. we had a dunk contest on the Bruins on that Monday night. It was a dunk contest. <laughs> I do remember being in the building <laughs> in the old RCA Dome, the old Hoosier Dome. Uh, where Noah and Horford and Corey Brewer, but but I mean Big Baby to go back to that team, Big Baby Davis and LSU on that 06 team, uh, KOing Duke uh, and also uh, knocking Texas out uh, as well uh, in that NCAA Garrett tournament. Temple. Yeah, Garrett Temple put JJ Redick on lockdown. I'm pretty sure that was Sweet 16 game yes. at the George Dome. Yes. And I remember saying it on radio all week because Garrett Temple was the best defensive player in the SEC. I said Garrett Temple is going to put J.J. Reddick on lockdown. And I don't remember J.J. Reddick's stats. And he probably maybe scored 20 points, but I guarantee you he shot less than 40% from the field that game. Voice of Brian Edwards, Vegas Insider, MajorWager.com. We'll get into a little bit of odds in the NFL in the offseason in a few moments. We're reminiscing of those Sweet 16 Elite Eight weekend would have been this weekend in the NCAA tournament. So I love here on Three Dog Thursday reminiscing with him. How about this one? I've got a story for you going back to 1998 in this market where I do the show, the Tampa St. Pete Clearwater Market. 
the Sweet 16 Elite Eight came here in 1998, and Tropicana Field, the baseball home of the Tampa well, Bay Rays. I was Rays. there. All right, Syracuse, so Syracuse, I was about to say UCLA, yes, and Duke. I was, yes, I was there and for Kentucky, the Sweet 16, right, not the Elite Eight. All right, so let's talk about that for a Sweet 16 Elite Eight because this was not exactly like Southern Illinois um, against right. North Carolina State and Michigan and, and pick another one, Baylor. This was, as you mentioned, Syracuse, UCLA, hello, Duke, hello, Kentucky, and it ends with a regional final of Coach K and Duke uh, with Elton Brand um, and a couple of others uh, uh, there for Duke. Oh, no. and, and uh, Wojo, yes, and Coach K uh, and Duke make the regional final, trying to go back to the Final Four against Tubby Smith in his first season where Kentucky's trying to go to a third straight Final Four after Patino had been there twice. Uh, Tubby Smith, I'm trying to remember, uh, with Mark Pope, who's now the the uh, the BYU coach, and I'm trying to remember who else was yeah, on that. Yeah, a really good defensive point guard. I can't remember the defensive point guard. we got to look that up. Well, and so it ends up being Kentucky-Duke in the regional final, Brian Edwards, and uh, Duke was up double figures. I think Duke was up like 15 in the second half, and Kentucky yeah. roared back with the outstanding uh, three-point shooting um, and, and end up winning. Duke Duke had a game-tying shot, clank off the rim, no good. And Tubby Smith, I still remember the embrace with about three of the players jumping up and down. His first year at Kentucky, he goes to the Final Four, and they end up winning the national championship his first year uh, at Kentucky. So, yeah, there's a memory. Yeah, against Utah and Majerus, and I believe that was the first time – I know it was the first time they had played in the tournament since 92 at the Spectrum in Philly with the Leitner, obviously. Yes. Um, and, uh, and have you seen the tweet of the two young kids this week <laughs> watching on Classic for the first time ever? That that was so great. Those two kids were awesome. They, had, so, they didn't know if Kentucky won. <laughs> there's a social media video of these two kids that are seeing, the, and they're probably like – One's preschool and the other one's got to be like first or second grade. And they've been watching this crazy Duke-Kentucky 92 regional final at the Spectrum in Philadelphia, like you mentioned, that ends with the Christian Leitner shot um, uh, that, that, again, he had a perfect day that day, made every shot from the floor, every shot from the foul line. That it, it just It's remarkable to go back and remember and, and watch that. Uh, and, and those kids' reactions are priceless because that was most of America, including, uh, what was it, Thomas Hill of Duke, the iconic shot of him standing yeah. there with the hands behind the head uh, oh going, my oh, God, my God, right. oh, my God, that that went in. Uh, <laughs> what, a, what a moment. So we remember these things about the Sweet 16. Let me give you some trivia eight, please, on some that, more. TJ. Yeah, yeah. Who, let me give you some trivia on that. Who, who, who did Leitner step on? Uh, Remember? that was Azabuki, right? Uh, do I have the Aminu name correct? Timberlake. 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 Aminu okay. Timberlake. They, they had another Azabuki later on. And so a lot of people thought he should have been ejected, right? From that, from sure. that situation. Yeah. I remember he goes, um, uh, like Elmore goes, looks like on purpose, and Byrne goes, oh, yeah, he did. <laughs> like, you know, he's, I'll go right out on purpose. Hey, and you just. But I'm glad he does. I mean, 
You you just uh, I mean Leitner back in the 1990 NCAA tournament won the regional final against Connecticut uh, with the give and go on the inbounds and they go to the final four on that shot. How many guys dream of a shot and Christian Leitner got two of them to put his team into the final four and made them both um, in that instance. That's why I've I've always said he's the greatest player in college basketball history. I mean, two national titles. Uh, I think he went to four Final Fours and two Elite Eight, high degree of difficulty buzzer beaters. I mean, the one against UConn, he threw it in and they threw it back to the passer, yes. and it was a lean-in double pump. And remember, that was two days after Tate George had beaten Eldon Campbell, Cliff Ellis, and Dale Davis on the length of the court pass in the Meadowlands from Scotty Burrell. He caught on the far baseline and made that jumper. So UConn had won by buzzer beater against Clemson to get to that game, and then they got it reversed back to them. I know. And the memories we have of the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. So we're just talking it up here on Three Dog Thursday. Love reminiscing with Brian Edwards. Um, all right, so let's transition off of this. Uh, you, you've been tweeting some at Major Wagers' uh, website and Twitter handle about future odds, etc. Uh, we now know officially, it wasn't official last week when we taped the show, but Tom Brady made it official and the Bucks made it official on Friday. He is coming to the Buccaneers, and you've been looking around at some future odds for the NFL. We, ta- we touched on it briefly last week, but some updated stuff, including you tweeted one about perfect season perfect season that might happen and remember Brady and the Patriots got to 16 and 0 with a perfect season it's not unheard of Panthers back to what 2015 season got to 14 and 0 uh that year um so what what about the odds on perfect season that you were tweeting about cuz the Buccaneers actually have fairly decent ones I believe now with Tom Brady coming to them right yeah, so if you go to the Circa Sports uh, Twitter account, it's just at Circa Sports, you know, obviously without the grind of uh, pushing out daily spreads for NBA and MLB, they're just throwing all kind of early um, uh, stuff out at us. So um, I'm trying to get to the one with the uh, – I'm not finding the perfect one. Odds. I saw so I saw the, the Kansas one. City. Kansas City had the best odds, and then it was somebody else right. off the top of my head. But then oh, the Bucks. I see it. Yeah, now. the Bucks are up there too. Oh, Go okay. ahead. Yeah, Bucks are the fifth team, so they are at um, two hundred to one odds. I think that's enough of yours for two hundred to one. Yeah, two hundred to one odds to go sixteen and zero. Um, the Chiefs are the uh, and Ravens are thirty to one odds. Niners a hundred, Saints one fifty, Bucks two hundred, and then you can say no and eat all sorts of enormous chalk for them not to do that, which <laughs> I would never recommend that type of. Bet. But again, I, I um, may. But hey, for. Yeah, we make mention this has happened. It happened in 2007, a perfect regular season. And again, the Panthers got to 14-0. and So when you start talking about could Kansas City do it with a healthy Mahomes, uh, Buccaneers with Brady, uh, et cetera, et cetera, what, you know, what is possible? You can hedge if you get to 14-0. and You yeah. can hedge and make a profit. Absolutely. 
uh, on that. I know another thing that you've been scouting around on that that some Vegas sports books need to drum it up, and they're already putting out college football lines. Right, all things being equal, we believe Correct. the seasons will come off on time. What did what did you find out? They already they already had even some for later in the year, like the Florida Georgia game and or the uh, the Iron Bowl, Alabama Auburn. They're already putting those up. Yeah, so you've got Alabama is minus 13 to Auburn at FanDuel and DraftKings. Now, if, if you have, like, multiple accounts, if you have a bet online account, their odds are way different than a lot. They only have Alabama minus 7.5 against Auburn. I don't have a bet online account. But uh, let me just give you some rivalry weekend games. Egg Bowl, Ole Miss, minus 3.5 versus Mississippi State. That's in Oxford. <laughs> and, and these are all from FanDuel. I mean, I love, uh, I love Mighty- that. I love that when Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach haven't really coached a practice as of yet, per se, but we already got a line in their game. Go ahead, yes. Uh, The the Gators are minus 10.5 versus FSU. Uh, Tennessee minus 13 at Vandy. LSU minus 1 at A&M. I'll skip over. Do they have Michigan-Ohio State already? Do they have Michigan-Ohio State for Uh, uh, for Harbaugh and Ryan Day Part 2? Yeah, Ohio State is 10.5. Um, Georgia's three and a half to Florida. Alabama is two and a half at LSU. Um, Alabama is minus seven at home against Georgia. That's early. That's week three. Um, Alabama is 19 and a half against uh, Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss in Oxford. Um, I'm trying to just, I'm scanning this for some of the better ones. Oh, um, Boise State, you know, they get they host the Knowles, and if everything's okay with the coronavirus, I'm going to go to that game. It's been on my bucket list for decades, and uh, my buddy that lives in Lake Tahoe is a big Knoll fan. I'm going to go to Tahoe for a few days and then go to the Boise FSU game on the Smurf turf. That's a pick em. Alabama's 12-and-a-half to USC. That's at Jerry World. Um, I saw West Virginia was one to FSU. I'm not sure if that if that game's in Atlanta. I believe it is. Yes, a, I believe it's in Atlanta. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. So there's a taste of a few. If you want to ask a specific one, I might remember it or have it in front of me. Well, but that's good stuff. Uh, again, I, I don't know how you come up with what the lines are, except the usual three point home favorite when nobody's seen a practice or any of this from some of these teams or coaches. All things being equal, though. It, it will be interesting once we get back around to it. I always love your insight. Again, we're we're doing our best. You're gonna, we're going to be back on to talk Final Four memories uh, when you get back on next week. But tell the audience where they can find your content right now, when and where, online, social media. Go ahead, Brian. So those college games of the year, I've done a column just on the SEC ones, and that's at MajorWager.com. I'm doing one right now. should have up tonight or tomorrow on the rest of the national ones. Um, you can find my content, MajorWager.com, BrianEdwardsSports.com. That's Brian with an I. Follow me on Twitter at VegasBEdwards, and you can follow the Major Wager Twitter account at MajorWagerUno, U-N-O. TJ, uh, I know you got Tommy. Pender's coming up. Thanks, buddy. Stay safe. Hope you and yours are are good and enjoyed it as always. Always enjoy talking with Brian Edwards. We will continue with Tom Penders, the former big-time college basketball coach who took four different teams to the NCAA tournament. We're talking Sweet 16 and Elite 8 with him coming up. 
A reminder that we're brought to you by our friends at MyBookie.ag. Yes, Vegas is closed for the first time. The Vegas casinos are all closed because of the coronavirus outbreak. But you know what casino is open 24-7 and accessible from the comfort of your home? That's right. It's MyBookie.ag and their casino. They're even running a free $10,000 Blackjack Madness tournament. And you can bet on the DGEN Madness games that they have for the Sports Gambling Podcast, the simulated NCAA tournament games, at mybookie.ag as well. They're going to even have live lines while the games are going on. You know about MyBookie. They've got the fastest payout, the best promotions, helpful 24-7 customer service team. Join right now, and MyBookie matches your deposit halfway, up to $1,000. That means you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 to play with. Use the promo code SGP and activate the offer. Again, that's SGP for the promo code, and for the DGEN Madness, they're giving away $3,000 through the Sports Gambling Podcast show and website on the virtual NCAA tournament. The games are simulated on NBA 2K and streamed live with uh, Sean Green and Ryan Kramer providing commentary. Sean Green's going to tell you more about it later on in the show. But game lines and live lines are being provided by my bookie. You can bet this while it's ongoing. It's a 30-team tournament. Find out more, sportsgamblingpodcast.com. But mybookie.ag has all of the lines. The tip-offs are Thursday night at 6 p.m. Pacific. Get your brackets in. Make your wagers with the sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. Again, it's mybookie.ag. It's DGEN Madness. And we're brought to you in part by ProSwap, America's marketplace to buy and sell sports bets. Because you're buying the bet directly from another person, not only can you find great deals, but you can also buy bets from states where there is no sports betting. Get that ProSwap account loaded up so when future buying returns, you can strike while the iron is hot. Sign up for ProSwap.com today and they'll give you 100% matching on your first deposit. Just enter the promo code SGP. That's SGP at the time of deposit. ProSwap will match it up to 100 bucks. Go to ProSwap.com today. This offer is void where prohibited. And Three Dog Thursday is brought to you in part by Burrow, the couch you get when you're ready to start actually choosing your furniture. Whether you're furnishing your first place or graduating from inherited futons or ambivalent Craigslist purchases, Burrow sofas are easy to set up, easy to move, simple assembly. You don't even need tools, durable fabric. It's naturally scratch and stain resistant, and it's flexible to your seating. You can add or remove seats as needed with Burrow. Customize it. Pick your fabric color, your leg finish, armrest style and length. You can add the Chase Lounge or the Ottoman or both. You want the Burrow sofas, and Burrow always offers free one-week shipping, zero interest financing. We're spending a lot of time in the house right now with isolation and social distancing, so you want to get one of these Burrow sofas to help be more comfortable while in that living room or in that living space. Get $75 off of your purchase right now and one-week shipping with our offer, burrow.com slash SGP. That's B-U-R-R-O-W. W.com slash SGP. Get $75 off for these sofas with Burrow. The dogs are barking. Who will get it done this week? Three Dog Thursday now continues. Here again is TJ Reeves. 
over and over again when the month of March rolls around especially. I love the insight of this next guest who took not one, not two, not three, but four different teams to the NCAA tournament, including when we're talking Sweet 16 and Elite 8. He had the Rhode Island Rams there in the Sweet 16. He had the Texas Longhorns in the Sweet 16 and the Elite 8. Uh, he won nearly 600 games at the Division One level. He is Coach Tom Penders hanging back out with me on college basketball, coast to coast. What a treat to catch up with you yet again. You've done this once or twice for me. I always joke with people, thank you for continuing to return my call or my text message when I look to bother you in March. And I'm looking forward to reminiscing yet again with you, Coach. How are we doing? Uh, we're doing great, even though we're... You know, we've been in the same apartment. I haven't left this apartment in almost two weeks. So we're every, everybody in the country knows what this is all about. So. Yes. <laughs> what else? We might as well talk basketball. Yes. We need a welcome distraction because you're right. A lot of us in isolation with the kids and getting greater respect by the day, if not by the hour, uh, for the educators that are out there and how they handle a room of 25 or 30 of our kids, much less just one or two. Uh, we're all dealing with that. And, Coach, this is so unusual that it's the first time in in practically 70 years that we don't have an NCAA tournament. It's bizarre, but we are living through it. So I appreciate you being willing to come on and help pass the time and, and reminisce uh, because it's amazing right now. Just Just a quick comment from you that we have no first weekend of the tournament, no Sweet 16 Elite Eight. We have no Final Four. And we'll never know. We'll never know how good Dayton was going to be or what San Diego State or Gonzaga could do or if it was going to be a Kansas or a Kentucky or a Duke or a Villanova or a Michigan State that's going to win it. We're all we're all just left to wonder. It's bizarre. It's odd. We're trying to work our way through it together, aren't we? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was all prepared to do a bunch of radio shows <laughs> entering the NCAA tournament. So I have a... Uh, a wealth of knowledge uh, that never was put into use. <laughs> but, you know, it, it just doesn't seem, you know, from a basketball standpoint, you know, a coach who spent 40 years of his life in the sport, you know, I was a high school coach for three years and then uh, three years at Tufts University and then four at Columbia and then eight at, at Fordham and two at Rhode Island. Uh, 10 at Texas, 3 at GW, and 6 at the University of Houston. Uh, you know, it, it's kind of crazy. And, you know, this period of time, I've spent more time on the phone with former players, you know, who, who experienced the runs that we had during those uh, great years where we made the Sweet 16 at Rhode Island. It was the first time Rhode Island had even won a tournament game. They had only been to three NCAA tournaments in their history. And then Texas uh, had never been to a Sweet 16 or an Elite Eight either. Um, you know, the, the nation is losing out on a, you know, a very special event. That's all I can say. And you know, this is a bigger problem we're facing with this coronavirus, certainly, but it would have been a nice relief if somehow that tournament could have been played 
even if all the games were in Hawaii and you sent 64 <laughs> teams there and let them play in that little gym that they have the Maui Classic in, uh, I'd, I'd rather have seen that than no tournament at all. But we're, we're here. Yep. It's uh, 20, 2020 now, and, uh, and we'll go on from here. Yeah, no doubt that we will. All right, so when I, I'm doing this themed around the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, the Final Four will be the next one that we do next weekend. But you're perfect to ask this. So you, you show up at Rhode Island as their coach, and you get them into the Sweet 16. You had defeats of Missouri in the opening round and then stunned Syracuse, who had gone to the national title game the year before, in the next round. When you think back on Tom Garrick and that and that surprise Rhode Island team making it to the Sweet 16, what do you think about? What, what comes to mind uh, that you finally remember? Well, a lot comes to mind because those kids are still very close to me. And, you know, we've had a number of reunions and get-togethers. And, you know, all, of the, all the guys uh, uh, from that team have maintained contact with each other and with me. So, you know, with a few of them, we've had a chance to talk about that in the last few weeks. And uh, I suspect I'll have a few more phone calls, you know, before the end of March, just about that run. But what was special about that year, uh, it was my 17th year as a head college coach. And all of a sudden I became an overnight sensation. <laughs> with my with my team winning, but we were an underdog all season long, and we have been fighting uh, this battle uh, with the Eastern media because the Big East uh, obviously was a power conference or the most respected conference in the Northeast. Um, you know, other areas of the country might have claimed their conference was better, but when you have you know, Georgetown and Villanova playing in a Final Four along with St. John's, I think that was 1983, uh, or it might have been 85. I can't remember which year it was because we weren't in it. But It was you know, 85. Big, I'm a Memphis guy, and Memphis State was there with Villanova and Georgetown and St. John's in 85, absolutely. So you were coming right after that's that. right. Yes, and... and uh, so we had to battle that all year, and I decided before the season started during the summer to go out and play anybody anywhere. And we came into the NCAA tournament with a 21-4 and road record. We only played six games at home that mm. year. We took, we took our home game with West Virginia and played it as part of a doubleheader at Madison Square Garden in February uh, to give our, our kids an opportunity to play in front of the New York media, which was largely a Big East media. We might have had a few reporters from our conference, but we were the northernmost team in the spread out Atlantic 10. You know, it was, it was an era where you had Temple during my two years at Rhode Island, 86, 87, 87, 88. Temple was number one for all but one week during that time. So we had to face them. We had to get past Temple somehow to get in because West Virginia was the other power team in that conference. Their athletic director was on the selection committee. We 
made it in as the number 11 seed after beating West Virginia three times, twice on their home floor and once at Madison Square Garden, and their athletic director was on the selection committee. The year before, we had beaten West Virginia two out of three times, and they got in and we didn't. And all summer long and all fall long, we talked to our team about it. From the very first practice, we talked about March Madness, getting in, and every game every game we played that year was going to be a test to see if we were good enough to get in the tournament. So, you know, as crazy as I was about home courts and all those things, we just hit the road and played uh, all kinds of road games that year. So we thought we were ready for the tournament because of our schedule and because of the battle we had all year of proving ourselves and, and still getting no respect until the NCAA tournament where if we beat Missouri in the opening round and they were the third best team in the big eight that year. And as you remember, the final game was Oklahoma, uh, against Danny and the miracle. That's right. Uh, Danny Manning and, and Kansas. So that was a great conference, the Big Eight. It was, it was a basketball conference. It was not a football conference. You had Nebraska who took it seriously and nobody else, really. It was a basketball league. And Norm Stewart was a coaching legend. And we felt like this was our ticket to play a Big East team. And that's what we wanted. We wanted to play a Big East team, and they were right in front of us, and that was Syracuse, who we had watched play about 25 times on national television, where we had one game on ESPN all season, and that was a game against George Washington down in the the nation's capital on Martin Luther King Day. We couldn't get television games back in that era, so... You know, we had the Rodney Dangerfield. We got no respect going for us. And I love I love to play that up uh, with the media. So, And we had gotten through a tournament at West Virginia where we were hated. I had to have police protection around the clock. I uh, got all kinds of death threats. I joked about it, but it was happening. And there was a state trooper outside my room. Uh, every night while we were in that tournament and we went to North Carolina where the it was first two rounds were in the Dean Dome and you know we we were ready to play Syracuse uh, before we practiced for the tournament we saw the draw we knew what it looked like so that was our motivation and that first game was a tough one it was not a blowout it wasn't a an easy win. We had to grind it out. There were a lot of lead changes. And at half, we were trailing by two. Uh, but we were in good shape because Kenny Green, our best front court player, a 6'9 kid who could, who could score. He was tough to guard one-on-one. And he was a rebounding machine and a shot blocker on the defensive side. Kenny only had one foul. Our backcourt had a total of four fouls. That was two and two with Garrick and Owens. And then our front court, uh, we had Mergen Cena, 6'6", 6'7", 
wing player who could play guard and forward, and John Evans, who was a six-five forward that just did all the little, little things. He was the ultimate garbage man. You know, he he didn't have a great fifteen-foot jumper, uh, but he could score inside among the big boys and was I thought one of the best putback artists in the country. He'd get misses and put them back up and in like nobody's business. He had a nose for the ball, nose to rebound, and he loved to go against the big guys and outmaneuver them and beat them off the dribble. Uh, but, you know, it's a very smart team. And out of that team, nine players went on to become basketball coaches, either at the collegiate level or at the high school level, and even junior junior college for a while. One of them is still a head coach. Uh, that's Jim Christian, who was a reserve guard on that team. He's still the head coach at Boston College. He's had a nice, long career. He's done a great job wherever he's been. And he was the coach at TCU before Jamie Dixon. Uh, he left after turning TCU back around into a winner, got him as far as he thought he could get him, and he, he left, and he's now the head coach at, at Boston College. So, uh, you know, that, that that's the amazing part, uh, that nine players went on to mm. become coaches. Well, no doubt that Rhode Island team was special. Uh, they battled. You battled against Coach K and Duke in the Sweet 16 game. Duke ended up with Danny Ferry and Billy King nosing you out. I'm going to make you smile even though I can't see you uh, here in this conversation. Uh, do you remember off the top of your head how little you utilized the three-point shot at Rhode Island, especially in that game? you remember how many threes you attempted in that one-point loss in the Sweet 16 game in the, in the Meadowlands uh, back in 1988? No, no I don't. Three. Uh, because we, three. You three. were one for three in the game, almost unheard of in the present day. You take three three-pointers in a minute or two now, right, in college basketball, but you only had three, yeah. and Duke only took seven that night, mm-hmm. one for seven. You were one for three, they were one for seven. You would uh you would totally change the mindset of three point shooting when you got to Austin, Texas. Uh, more on that in a second. But uh, you battled against Coach K and Duke, and real quick, what do you remember about battling on the big stage there against one of the great programs uh, in a Sweet Sixteen game at Rhode Island? Real quick. Well, in time of lead, which is not a stat that you see, we held the lead in that game for twenty eight minutes. It was a back and forth lead exchange game that was turned on one play when Danny Ferry did that, you know, uh, it's now, uh, 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 what do they call it? Uh, not a technical foul, but a flagrant one. He, he pulled Kenny green. He interlocked arms with Kenny, yanked them down to the floor and whistles started blowing everywhere. And, and Kenny jumped up, you know, like he was ready to fight. No punches were ever thrown. Uh, nothing went beyond that. But Kenny Green was given a personal foul and a technical foul. And the following year, before the season started, they featured that play on the officiating video as how you have to watch the entire play before you blow your whistle. 
And, you know, it was a personal foul on Ferry where Kenny Green would have gone to the foul line. We would have gone from one point up, you know, to three points up. Instead, we ended up being down by five points after all that happened and had to scratch our way back from there late in the game. That's what I remember most about that game. And even on the last play of the game, Carlton Owens hit a three while drawing contact from from Strickland, who I believe was guarding him at the time. He, he actually fouled him on the shot. There was no whistle. Mm. And Duke won by one. So it was, you know, when you, when you, and this is, I have nothing but the ultimate respect for my friend Mike Krzyzewski. We played against each other in college. We coached against each other when we were both young coaches. He was at Army. I was at Columbia and then Fordham. We helped form the MAC conference along with Jim Valvano uh, when we were coaches back in the New York City area. So we knew each other very well. We had coached against each other. We knew how to prepare for each other. And it was a battle that could have gone either way. And uh, it was a shame the game had to end because it was a it was a nerve-wracking uh, game that was not a lot of threes, as you said. The previous game, we were 7 for 10 from three-point range against go. Syracuse. But we got... We got almost all of them in the first half to build our lead uh, and kind of shocked Syracuse and got a, you know, we were up 37 to 22 when the smoke cleared. But in the second half, it, Syracuse just junked their 2 3 zone and went man to man for the entire second half. Uh, but, we, you know, we, got, we had a big lead. The final of 97 94 was no indication. Uh, we it was really like a ten point win when we had the they had to foul us we missed some free throws they hit a couple of threes and even had another chance to tie it uh, Earl Duncan their great point guard and I say one of their great point guards because they had Sherman Douglas they also had Ronnie Cycli Derek Coleman mm. uh, you know uh, a bunch of other guys that. Are big names at Syracuse, huh? and and had Deep. played and had played in the national title game the year before in eighty in eighty seven. Yeah. Those same names had, had lost to Indiana in the Superdome, and there you were going toe to toe with them and got the better of them as it turns out in that game. Yep, and they uh, they were picked by a lot of coaches around the country uh, as a favorite. You know, it, it didn't matter what the records were really, but it was also a time when you had UNLV starting to really, you know, assert themselves. They had a great team there. And, you know, the opening opening or the second round games, I believe our score was the lowest uh, by one team. We had 97 points. Oklahoma scored 120 points that same day. <laughs> I mean, today's basketball coaches and television announcers wouldn't believe you know, the way the game was played, you know, no, <laughs> coaches weren't coaching to protect or justify their salary. Then it was head to head, you know, nobody held the ball. The ones who held the ball, you know, like Princeton or uh, Richmond, they could pull an upset or two, 
but there was no way they were going to get to a, a Sweet 16. Uh, uh, Dick Carrant did it once at uh, at Richmond. He was a great coach, but he had to get the right draw to do it. You you couldn't slow down Oklahoma. You couldn't slow down Missouri or Syracuse. You had to go out and beat them. And, uh, you know, that people wouldn't believe, again, Tom Pender's team only took three threes. <laughs> but that's the way Duke played us defensively. Yep. And we had to be smart and try to beat them off the dribble. That's the same way to beat Duke today because you know, they're going to take away your offense. They're going to take you out of it. They're going to make you do different things. And five minutes into that game with Duke, we junked our normal offense, spread the floor. Uh, we posted up Kenny Green and just tried to attack him off the dribble with Garrick and Owens. And uh, they did a terrific job all night, you know, to keep us within reach or ahead of Duke. Uh, people might think, you know, that we, we scrambled to catch up to Duke. No, we had the lead for most of that game. It was a tough pill to swallow because we really thought we could get further. We we thought we were a better team than Duke that particular year. It's just, you know, we were a team that didn't get the publicity. There was no such thing as an RPI. You didn't get any credit for winning on the road. Uh, nothing. You know, sure. your record, your team, team went before a committee, and you were either in or out, depending on what the committee said. And there was no arguing about who should have gotten in at the end, we all knew what it was and how hard it was to get in there if you were not you know, your conference tournament winner. Again, love the insight of Coach Tom Penders. Follow him at Tom Penders. Again, it's awkward. It's different that we don't have games uh, for March this year, much less a Final Four. Uh, it's the first time since 1939 that we will not have a national champion, but we're getting through it the best we can, and the coach is helping me reminisce. So you end up going to Austin, Texas, and really making a mark with the Texas Longhorns, and the, the three-point shot served you very well there. You've told me on many occasions that you really emphasized uh, maybe ahead of the curve on let's utilize the three. Let's shoot more of them in terms of volume, take advantage early in the shot clock, which had come in a few years early, earlier of more possessions by taking quicker threes. And it really worked. And that Texas 1990 team, you beat Georgia in the opening game, scoring 100 points in that one. You beat Purdue by one, both of those games in Indianapolis at the, at the then Hoosier Dome. And then you advance to the Sweet 16, uh, as it turns out, in Dallas against Xavier, Pete Gillen's Xavier team. Um, and you end up knocking them off, scoring 102 points and getting into the into the regional final. And then uh, in the regional final, you rematch Arkansas, Southwest Conference foe. There they were in the way for the Final Four that year in 1990 uh, for Denver. But anyway, again, same question like Rhode Island. When you look back on 1990 Texas, Coach Tom Penders, what do you think of fondly? Maybe a couple of things you think of fondly, making a run all the way to the Elite Eight. We just had a really tough bunch of kids. That that was our M.O. Uh, that was our identity, that we were tough. We weren't going to back down from anybody. We weren't afraid of anybody. And I was blessed with inheriting three talented guards, and, uh, Joey Wright, uh, Lance Blanks, and Travis Mays. 
they were termed the BMW that year, Blanks, Mays, and Wright. And all three <laughs> of them were capable of taking over a game. And, you know, knowing that we had to play Arkansas after, you know, winning that game to, to move on over Xavier, uh, we knew it was going to be a battle. We knew we, we had a chance to beat them, but we knew we were going to have to play some defense. And, you know, believe it or not, it was, the final score was 88-85. Uh, it was a, really a one-possession, one-point game. We missed a, a chance, and Travis Mays uh, had a dead-on three-pointer uh, that would have tied the ball game. We'd have gone to overtime. Uh, it was we were down one, and that was the look he got with about six seconds left. Uh, he missed it. We fouled. They made the foul shot. So it was a defensive battle. It was the only time Arkansas and Texas played uh, where one team and usually both teams scored over a hundred points. Uh, you know they they could put it up against anybody, and so could we. And uh, they knew us. We knew them. I'd, I'd have rather played a team that had never played us uh, because, you know, then you might be able to trick them here or trick them there. Uh, but you're not going to trick a team from your own conference. They've seen all your tricks by now when you play them three times. There's not too many things you can change up uh, when you play them three times and you have one day to practice. So um, it was it was quite a year, and for Texas – First time uh, they ever won more than one game in an NCAA tournament. Uh, you know, in the modern 64-team uh, era, uh, there was no such thing as Sweet 16s and Elite 8s back in the 1940s because only eight teams made right. the tournament back then. Right. I'm but, wondering I'm you know, wondering you won the you won the Sweet 16 game against Xavier and it was it was obviously going to be a tough ticket Reunion Arena in Dallas and Arkansas is there too. And then on the Saturday was it about 50-50 or do you what do you recollect on did you have a, a home crowd advantage somewhat in Dallas being the Texas team or was it about even with Arkansas? For that game, when when you guys were proximity wise a little closer, but Arkansas obviously could get there easily too with their fan base. What do you remember about that atmosphere at Reunion Arena? Well, Arkansas's home arena was called Barnhill Arena, uh, and they called Reunion Arena where this game was going to be played Barnhill South. And as soon as the the pairings came out for the NCAA tournament. And, you know, it looked like Arkansas was going to end up in Dallas. The Arkansas fans immediately bought out all the tickets you could get. So we only had about a 1,000 tickets uh, sold to Texas fans for that game where they had the rest of them, and the neutral fans weren't really neutral because they had bought up tickets. Again, they, they buy them up as fast as possible. It isn't like it is today where – months before the games are played, uh, you know, regionals and regional finals, uh, elite eight, sweet 16 rounds are played, you know, in front of an audience that could be only 500 from each school and the rest are just basketball fans. And usually when that happens, it's the underdog, but no, it was very much an Arkansas crowd and that was nothing new for us when we played them (laughs) up there. I mean, we sold out when we played in Austin 
We sold out at Barnhill, but we never had an advantage of any kind at Reunion Arena. That was all, you know, for the hogs. The Razorback uh, Nation came to that, and so we had no advantage there. Uh, There was no advantage given either. Arkansas played a great game, as we did. You know, we we went down uh, the way you want to go down, playing your best basketball and having a shot to win it at the end. And we had all that going in that game. It's just we ran out of time again. So those are my two favorite teams because they were the first teams to get to Sweet 16s and Elite Eights. Uh, my Rhode Island team in 88, and then my Texas team uh, two years later in 1990, you know, doing something that had never been done at either school. And that's, that's extra special. Some coaches are lucky. They fall into a head position in their first job, uh, like Roy Williams did at Kansas. Now, that's not a bad first job to start out in. <laughs> and then he goes to North Carolina, and then in 2020, he has his first really bad season. Uh, they almost lost 20 games. Uh, and he just never had been there before, and I thought I was worried about him. Um, you know, I, I thought maybe something, you know, he might disappear like Al McGuire used to at the end of the season. Nobody could find him. I'm not sure if Roy's doing that or not, but I had been through losing and building really, really bad teams like Columbia and Fordham University. And Rhode Island was considered a really bad basketball program too when I took over. So, and Texas was, you know, not Texas. And when I say that, I mean not the Texas. Uh, that was built during my era and continued on during Rick Barnes's era. You know, we became a power, a, a perennial top 25 program and, and all that. But, you know, when we get together and we talk, it's, it always goes back to, you know, they were the first. You know, they, they were the first guys to do it, to show the nation that they could play college basketball with anybody in the country. Well, I and, know, and I know Shaka and, Smart is close to you, and you've been in and around Austin, and that 30th uh, reunion, you, you've got to be around some of these players earlier this year before the shutdown of the season, obviously, in March, and that had to be special to reminisce as well, Coach Penders. Yes. And, you know, I tried, uh, you know, to help some of the guys. More in the mental part of the game, you know, the the toughness areas of the game, which Shaka was trying really hard to get, uh, you know, from his own team. And I didn't give him any plays or any defenses or anything, but, you know, he would say this guy's struggling or that guy's struggling with the confidence. And, and that's what I tried to do. But I, I talked to the team one time and that was early in the season. And I said, you guys lack an identity. You're all nice guys. You know, you all look like the type of young men that you'd like your daughter to marry. Uh, but you're too soft on the basketball court. And there's nobody in the conference in the Big 12 that fears Texas anymore. And you know, there's only one way to do that, and that's to toughen up 
And when you play a team uh, like West Virginia, you've got to match their toughness. I'll say the same thing about Texas Tech. That's the one thing Chris Beard's teams are always going to be uh, known for is toughness. Uh, Chris Beard worked for me as a manager and a student assistant, and he knows what my message was every year to my team. And then after you establish that, you know, it just comes as a natural progression, you know. And toughness doesn't mean you're looking for fights, but it's standing in there and taking charges, getting on the backboards, getting loose balls that that are below the uh, rim, uh, 50-50 balls, I call them. Uh, and, and they started doing that uh, late in the season. Uh, they, they had a disappointing last season last game against Oklahoma State but before that they put on a four-game winning streak against the elite of the Big 12 and and you know it was fun being around the college kids again I was very close with Danny Hurley's kids at Rhode Island and you know all the Texas kids know me and uh, you know they know that I was there they know most of my players that still live in Austin. And every now and then, one of them will come back and Shaka would have them talk to the team. And Shaka said, you know, your players, when they talk to my team, said the same thing. You know, I've been trying to <laughs> instill toughness since I got here. Maybe we were re- recruiting wrong. And, you know, whether it's recruiting them or taking over a bad team, a team that's never won. Uh, it, they, they're all ears and eyes when, when you get in there as a new coach. Uh, once you establish your program, uh, that usually is the mark of that basketball program. And that's what I was proud, uh, so proud of during my years at Texas, before that at Rhode Island, even at the end at the University of Houston. You know, we had tough teams. We had tough kids. Uh, There's no real formula for it, but that starts on the very first practice. I was really looking forward to seeing Texas win a game or two in the conference tournament and then shocking some people in the NCAAs because the more guys they lost as the season went on, the tougher the team became. And guys who weren't even playing uh, for, the, for the first two-thirds of the season, became important starters for Texas. And they brought that toughness, and, and the whole team you know, turned into a tough basketball team at the end of the year. But we'll never know, and Shaka Smart will have to wait till next year, uh, and he'll be back next year uh, unless something unforeseen happens between now and then. Uh, Shaka will be the coach, and he's got the entire team back. And I've been a Texas fan since I left. I mean, you you don't spend 10 years at a university and not feel an attachment uh, to the school and to the team and everything about it. If, if you're a student at a school, you only go there for four, maybe five years. When you spend 10 years at a school, and you go to the graduations and you see the kids graduating and going on to become whatever they're going to, whatever they want to become. Uh, it's, it's a, a sense of pride and attachment that you feel. 
So I'm a big Texas fan. I I actually root for all seven of the schools that I coached at. Uh, I don't think anybody's coached at more schools than me. And, uh, you know, so I have seven families now, aside <laughs> from my own. <laughs> and sometimes I'll forget a name, but uh, not for long. It may be for 30 seconds, you know, a 10th man on your team that, you know, you, you're kicking yourself. Oh, my God, what's his name? Because I've coached seven different schools and probably 200-plus college basketball players. So you have to have a pretty sharp memory to remember them all, but I'm pretty good at it. There is no doubt that Tom Penders is pretty good at a lot of things. Four different teams in the NCAA tournament, not just his Rhode Island Sweet 16, not only his Texas Elite Eight, but also had G-Dub, George Washington, in the uh, in the NCAA tournament as well as his final year, the Houston Cougars made it in 2010 uh, as well. I always love chatting with you. Thank you for spending some time with me here to reminisce about your Rhode Island and Texas teams. Help us. It's like group therapy, Coach. Help us get through this weekend of the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 that was supposed to be played all over the country and is not being played. Uh, but you did a great job of helping me reminisce here on college basketball coast to coast. Be well, and if you let me continue to bother you when there's back games again next year and it all heats up around March, I'd love to talk to you again. Yeah, please do. I always love talking to you as you help pull up some memories. Uh, that you know, I need that once in a while. Somebody to talk about one of my teams, and it all comes back. Uh, and you always help me do that, TJ. Yes, we are rolling along on Three Dog Thursday, and here he is. I love catching up anytime with Sean Green. He and Ryan Kramer of the Sports Gambling Podcast. Of course, we're part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network here on Three Dog Thursday. We have no games, but they have the D-Gen Madness game going on, the simulation game. At least we have some hoops because you guys are playing this out through the podcast. Sean, welcome. And, And even though no real basketball, we're having fun with what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the official college basketball is on hold, not happening. So we decided uh, we got to give the people what they want, and that, of course, is college basketball that you can bet on. We're going to be simulating uh, college basketball games on NBA 2K using college basketball rosters. It's a it's a 30-team tournament. We're going to be uh, giving away thousands of dollars for the best bracket. First place gets 2000 And then uh, my bookie is going to be doing uh, – they're going to be doing bets. So you can bet on the games, um, you know, and, and they even have totals. They have odd even uh, ending points. So all the kind of degenerate gambling fix you want, you can now have. All you got to do is go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. It tips off. If you're listening to this on Thursday, it tips off tonight, 6 o'clock Pacific. So get your bracket in in time. Or if you miss it, you can always uh, bet on the games and even live wagering on these games. (laughs) And uh, the most fun part is we're going to be calling them. Uh, You know, they are simulated on a computer screen, but they'll be streaming on our YouTube. Real time. Real time play by play of these games. So I just wonder, take me through the step here. You guys set the matchup and then just turn the computer loose, and you have no idea what's going to happen next. There's nothing that you know in advance. You're just watching it unfold, right, just like us. Yep, exactly. Um, My co-host Ryan, he did a bunch of simulations and posted the results 
again, sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash contest. Uh, so you can see some of the data and like what teams are doing what uh, as far as uh, how they're looking so far. But yeah, I mean, uh, we're just going to sit back, watch the computer play a video game against itself, bet on it, and commentate it. That's, that's <laughs> where we're at right now, TJ. Hey, I don't begrudge this because as I've said on a couple of other shows, when NASCAR stumbled onto this uh, e-racing idea of the race last week at the time we're taping at Homestead and they had current drivers and Earnhardt Jr. and broadcasters from Fox all participating in driving uh, a virtual car on the track at the same time and they had a million viewers watch last Sunday. We are obviously looking for different things to watch and see so I, I applaud you guys for this. So I just wonder here uh, in your simulation how do you think the the kind of lesser known mid majors, not lesser known um, in, in this year's sense, but over the course of time, uh, Dayton, San Diego State, uh, not exactly powerhouses. How do you think they're going to do mixing it up on these simulations with the Kansases and the Michigan States and the Dukes and the Kentuckys and, and the powerful programs that we do know, the Blue Bloods? How do you think it's going to go in the simulation? Speculate for me. Well, that's, that's a great question. And uh, our preview game, we did a preview game to kind of test the technology out and and, uh, and, and see where, uh, you know, like what the scores would be and stuff like that. And we actually did a preview game between Kansas and Dayton. And uh, we made Kansas a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And uh, they covered the spread, but it was close. Dayton, Dayton got in it in the second half. Uh, I, I think they had trouble. Dayton, they didn't use topping enough. Uh, they, you know, he wasn't getting enough minutes. They weren't, you know, giving him the ball down low. So that was, we'll see if they simulate that same strategy. But uh, the number one seeds in our tournament uh, actually are Kansas and Dayton. They both have a first round bye. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we have some random teams in here, like the Washington Huskies uh, are a 15 seed in our tournament squaring up against Baylor. Uh, that should be an interesting matchup. But yeah, we're going to be playing these games. We're going to do two a night, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then uh, two a night the following Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then one more week until we're finished on that same Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We do an early game, a 6 o'clock tip, and then a later game, 7 p.m. <laughs> and the games play out. It's a full schedule. <laughs> I love it. They've mapped all this out as part of the Sports Gambling Podcast, and Sean Green with me for just a few more moments closing out uh, Three Dog Thursday, so that'll that'll be a lot of fun uh, to watch all of that unfold. I just wonder. I know you guys have been talking about it. We were so anxious. Uh, I know you had Colby Dant uh, on with you. You were you were laying out all the conference tournaments. We've not had a chance to talk with you. How much are you jonesing like I am? I mean, I am dyed in the wool college basketball for the last forty plus years of my life, and we don't have this. How jonesing are you right now? How, what kind of withdrawal, Sean Green, that we don't actually have this? I mean, we're supposed to be uh, you know, eyeball deep in Sweet 16 Elite Eight this weekend, and we don't have it. What about it? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, uh, it's com- as a basketball junkie, right? And it's, it's just completely gone. The drug has been taken away. <laughs> uh, this, isn't, this isn't quite the same thing. This is maybe like the methadone. This is, this is just something to hold you off. So that you could maybe uh, hang out. Hopefully, they bring back NBA uh, for something in the uh, in the summer here once this thing clears up. But yeah, I mean, it was just it's. I mean, we had whole trips planned around it. Um, 
you know, I think everyone's life got shaken up. And the thing, it, it's not bad being trapped inside if you have sports to watch. Right. So it's really the ultimate thing of you're trapped inside and you don't have sports. So, again, we're looking to fill that hole. And uh, it's a pretty big hole, honestly. <laughs> no doubt. But the uh, the Degen Madness for degenerates, the Degen Madness simulations will be going on depending on when you're hearing us. Get a bracket in before Thursday night, 9 Eastern, 6 Pacific time. If you miss that deadline, if you're hearing us later, uh, then uh, you can still do wagering on the games if you want on the computer simulations as they happen. We'll be clear again that Sean, Ryan, nobody knows what's going to happen. It's, it's, it's happening in real time. Uh, they just turn the computer loose and you can watch it play out and find out if Obi Toppin and Dayton can really hang with Azabuki <laughs> and Kansas if it comes to it or what's going to happen with Kentucky if they play Michigan State or San Diego State if they're playing Duke. You'll watch it all unfold. Uh, there is part of this. So all great stuff. Sean, I always love getting the chance to chat with you. I appreciate you hopping on. You and Ryan continue to knock them dead on the Sports Gambling Podcast. We have no games for now. I keep encouraging everybody. This too shall pass, though. Like the scriptures say, we will have games eventually. We'll get through it, won't Sports we? Will be all back together? One day. Yeah. Yeah. One day. Sports will be back one day. Yeah. Until then, uh, subscribe to DJ Madness and watch. The, the gameplay looks pretty realistic, so it's uh, it's really fun and, and look forward to it. And uh, appreciate you killing it on Three Dog Thursday, TJ. Sean Green, thank you, and we thank all of you for being with us as well. From my guest, Brian Edwards of MajorWager.com and the coach, Tom Penders, I'm merely TJ Reeves. Again, subscribe to this show at iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Spreaker, wherever you get podcasts. We thank you for being with us, and especially if you found us, thank you for doing so on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. Follow the show at 3 Dog Thursday on Twitter. For Sean Green, I'm TJ Reeves. I wish we had games, but we'll come back with whatever it is, talking Final Four memories and more next week on 3 Dog Thursday. Bye.